Welcome to Evolve Nutrition Radio, where you learn how to ditch the diet mentality and deconstruct your health and fitness goals into habits you can do for the rest of your life. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in and I want to welcome you all to another episode of Evolve Nutrition Radio. I'm your host, Alex McMahon, and this is episode 14, what you need to consider before starting your very next diet. Now, this seems to be a little bit of a funny and kind of cryptic title to the podcast today, but as we go through all the individual topics and you get a better understanding of this question, you can see how it relates to your own individual context and can actually influence whether it's going to be a beneficial or a negative time for you to be starting any kind of dietary change. If you were to look at social media and any of the other tabloids, you would get the impression that our society is dieting all the time. And well, that's because most of them are in one way or another. This is also probably why so very few people are able to get the results that they desire or can actually stick with a diet for any longer than a month. The fact remains that any way you want to skin it or any diet that you go on is an actual stressor to the body. And as we've learned in previous podcasts, it's not that stress is good or bad, but when your body lacks the adequate resources to recover from a stressor, that's when dysfunction takes place in the body and it becomes a negative source of stress. Now, the degree to which that stress negatively impacts your body will depend on a number of different factors that we're going to be discussing in depth in today's podcast. You should always consider how these factors are playing out in your own life before you decide whether now is the right time for you to start dieting or not. The very first thing to think about is how close is your current diet that you're going on to the last time that you dieted. The very first thing that you should always consider when it comes to deciding when to start your next diet is when your last diet was. A valuable question that people rarely ever ask themselves but need to is have you been in a rested and well-fed state for a few weeks before starting or after this diet? Now this seems like a funny question since people are always known from jumping from one diet to the next, yet these same people who are these chronic yo-yo dieters always seem to be the same people who get very subpar results. This isn't a coincidence that these people's results are far from impressive because chronic long-term dieting without any form of a refeed break or eating at maintenance level of calories for a long period of time actually causes the metabolism to adapt by slowing down. Now, this is known as adaptive thermogenesis, and it's a very regular thing that happens whenever anybody diets. What happens is as you lose body fat and you eat less, you actually burn fewer calories. This is also in part due to the fact that your body weighs less when you start to lose fat. Now, adaptive thermogenesis can impact your resting metabolic rate, but it can also impact another component of your metabolism known as non-exercise activity thermogenesis, or NEAT. Now, NEAT is known as all the physical activity that you do that doesn't take place inside of formal exercise. NEAT is going to include things like doing the dishes, cooking food, walking around the grocery store, doing yard work, playing with your kids, taking a dog for a walk. Now these are largely things that are subconscious. Also things such as typing at your desk, fidgeting, or going from standing to sitting, or working at a standing station, are all examples of non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Now the cool thing about a lot of the calories we burn during NEAT is they're actually much more than we would ever expect them to be. 
in large, we expend way more calories through meat than we ever do any one hour session in the gym. Now what happens when someone goes on chronic long-term diets without refeeds, breaks, or eating at maintenance is that meat actually gets down-regulated. So that means that all those unconscious movements that you don't think about doing throughout the day actually slow down. You have less of a desire to go for walks or to play with your dog or to play with your kids and things like that. So your body will actually slow down the amount of calories you burn through meat by just giving you less energy, making you more fatigued, making you less likely to engage in those unconscious movements. Another thing that happens when someone diets chronically is that stress hormones will also start to increase. With an overproduction of stress hormones and a state of inflammation, the body can actually retain a significant amount of water. So even if someone is losing body fat, if there's too many stress hormones circulating through the body, it can make it appear as though no progress is being made. There was a study that was done ages ago called the Minnesota Starvation Study, where they took a bunch of manual labor workers and they put them on 1,500 calories. Now, by modern standards, that's by no means starvation. However, because these people were manual laborers, their caloric needs were much more than your average person. As a result, all the participants lost weight at a pretty steady rate. Now, at a certain point in time, though, because this was a diet for these people, uh, all, their, all the subjects' weight loss actually plateaued. And the researchers couldn't figure out why, why everybody's weight loss had plateaued at a certain point in time. Now, this was right around the corner from the six-month mark of the study. And as a celebration for the night of the six-month study, they let all the subjects eat to ad libitum. They could eat as much as they wanted. Now, what they noticed was that night, everybody got up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom far more than they had at any other point in the study. And then the next wait, all of the participants had actually weighed in much lighter than they had the previous days. Now, they hadn't actually lost significant pounds of fat overnight. What happened was, after chronic dieting for so long, cortisol levels got high, caused the body to retain excess water. When they let them overeat for a night, what happened was it blunted the body's production of those stress hormones, and it allowed them to flush a significant amount of the water that they had been retaining for a long period of time. The participants were losing body fat, however, their body fat loss was masked by their water retention. This just goes to show that after a long period of time of restricting and dieting, your body can actually retain a significant amount of water, making it seem as though no progress is being made, even though progress is actually being made. Another important part of our physiology to discuss that's impacted by dieting is the hormone leptin. Leptin is secreted by our fat cells and our brain and our metabolism use it as a fuel gauge. Less leptin lets the brain know that there's less available fuel and we need to downregulate the body's systems to ensure our survival. Now, when you stop one diet and are thinking about starting another, you need to give your body a few weeks of eating at a normal caloric and macronutrient level before diving into the next diet. Part of the reason for this is you want to allow your body to upregulate all the hormones that have been downregulated. If you do this in a smart fashion and do it slow enough, what can happen is you can actually bring up the amount of calories that your body's been burning as well so you can reverse that adaptive thermogenesis and you can also bring leptin levels back up to a sufficient level before you decide to try to diet again. By restoring your metabolic rate with diet breaks and times of eating at maintenance, you'll ensure that future efforts with fat loss will be much healthier and much more successful. You won't be trying to dig yourself out of a hole at the end of a diet. Since you started from a much healthier place to begin with, it'll allow you to do it in a much healthier fashion moving forward. Another thing to consider when you're thinking about going on a diet is your sleep quality. Are you sleeping 7 to 9 hours per night? I don't think so, but don't feel bad, neither is 94% of America. 
The fact remains that sleep is when our bodies and brains repair. Without it, all recovery in the body is greatly, greatly diminished. By getting inadequate sleep, you're also removing the body's number one anti-stress tool and adding to the stress burden on the body. People have a much greater tendency to eat a larger volume of energy-dense foods, which means you're going to eat a lot more junk when you're tired. If you aren't getting enough sleep and you're trying to diet, not only is the body lacking the number one tool for mitigating stress, but inadequate sleep in and of itself actually increases the stress burden on the body, and it will also make it that much more difficult to stick to your diet. It's kind of like a snake trying to eat its own tail. If your sleep isn't somewhat dialed in, work on that before jumping into a diet and make sure you're giving your body the chance to actually manage the stressors that you have and that you're dealing with right now effectively before you throw gasoline on the fire by trying to jump on another diet. The next thing that's going to be absolutely vital to considering when it comes to whether you should be getting on a diet or not is your current level of stress. Now, as we all know by now, stress is stress and it can be thought as a mental, physical, or emotional factor that causes mental tension. Stresses can be external, such as social situations, environmental, or any kind of psychological stress that's going on in your life, or internal, such as an illness or a medical procedure. Your body recognizes stress hormones as a real fight-or-flight situation, and it doesn't matter whether it's coming from a late car payment, physical fight, or an argument with your significant other. Your body has one stress button, and it doesn't matter how it gets pushed. Your body just recognizes that it's being pushed. Your body doesn't realize that you're not fighting or running away. The stress hormone cortisol tells your brain to replenish sugar and to store fat in anticipation of the next stressful situation, which in our modern day and age takes place very frequently. To be able to replenish that sugar that your brain thinks that you may have burned up and to be able to also stick more energy in fat stores, guess what it's going to ask you to do? eat a lot more food. Now this all goes back to the way our brain physiology actually works. There's a part of our brain named the prefrontal cortex that allows us to set goals and regulate our actions. This is also the most evolved part of our brain that helps us to manage and delay gratification. When the stress response is triggered, it actually inhibits the function of our prefrontal cortex. Your ability to delay gratification and think of long-term actually disappears. Now, in a fight-or-flight situation, being impulsive is an advantage because your only focus is acting quickly and managing any kind of immediate threats to your life. When this impulsive behavior is combined with a reduced willpower and a perceived need to replenish blood sugar and elevate your mood, this is the perfect recipe for making any change to your diet that much more difficult. Because stress will make you more impulsive and cause greater cravings for high fat and sugar foods eaten in a much larger volume than you normally would, while feeling less satiated on this food due to a dip in the hormone leptin, it's important that you consider your overall stress burden both psychologically and socially before trying to think about jumping onto the next diet. My advice would be not to start any kind of diet or to undertake any kind of new dietary change if you're currently dealing with a lot of stress because you're going to be more likely to go on that diet cycle where you fall off, eat a large volume of junk food, and then repeat the cycle, rinse, wash, and repeat. So the next point we're going to be discussing is one that's only going to apply to the more estrogen dominant of us all. Obviously, I'm referring to women. And the point that we're going to be discussing is actually your menstrual cycle. Now, you may be wondering, why is a 30-year-old nutrition guide discussing the menstrual cycle? Well, it's because it plays a huge role in appetite and a much larger role than people actually give it credit for. And starting a diet in the wrong part of your cycle will make sticking with it much more difficult and something you may not have considered before. Now, your monthly cycle can have a huge impact on your hunger levels, how satiated you are, 
and that will impact your ability to comply and stick with nutrition changes. Now, what I'm going to discuss today is a horribly oversimplified version of a very complicated process that differs greatly from woman to woman. But the goal of this is to provide a general idea that you can use to better plan when making nutrition changes that work with your body and not against it. The main hormonal drivers of the menstrual cycle are estrogen, progesterone, and even a little testosterone, but not nearly in the levels of those first two that we discussed. During the initial phase of the cycle before ovulation is the follicular phase. During the follicular phase, estrogen is the dominant hormone all the way through ovulation. After ovulation, estrogen actually begins to decrease while progesterone rises and the body temperature increases. As progesterone peaks, this is known as the luteal phase. This takes place after ovulation. Now, not being a woman, I can't speak from any kind of physical experience, but starting a diet premenstrually when hunger and food cravings are at the highest would make adhering to any kind of dietary change much more difficult. A better strategy could be to start the diet in the late follicular phase following menstruation. During this time, hunger and cravings are typically going to be low, which would make it ideal and make it much more easy to stay on track with your nutrition. Now, obviously, every woman has a different cycle, and they have different feelings of hunger and cravings during their cycle. So the particulars don't apply nearly as much as the actual principle, which is to make sure to start your diet at the time during your cycle when you're feeling the least hungry and also when you're having the fewest amount of cravings. The last thing that we're going to be discussing today that's a significant factor to consider when it comes to whether you should be starting a diet or not is your adrenal health. Those stress hormones that we spoke about above that are constantly being pumped out due to any kind of psychological, physical, or dietary stress can wear out the very glands that produce them known as the adrenal glands. Whenever someone is living under constant stress, they'll put an excess burden on their adrenal glands to keep up with the production of those stress hormones. Now, if you have any kind of adrenal dysfunction happening in the body or suffer from extreme fatigue, you'll need to eat to blunt that stress for a long time before you can even consider dieting or any kind of fat loss. Now, this isn't to say that you won't be able to achieve the body that you want, but for a period of time, your priority will be to maximize your health. You'll need to eat to support your body, not to try to break it down with dieting. I know we've discussed this in a previous podcast, so I'm only going to mention it. Your adrenal glands support your thyroid, which helps to control your metabolic rate. If your adrenal glands are functioning suboptimally due to dysfunction, your thyroid function is going to suffer and your metabolic rate will decrease. You need to prioritize your adrenal health and make sure that you're taking the right steps, getting as much sleep as possible, not training like a maniac in the gym with too much intensity, eating a well-balanced diet with meals that don't overly restrict any kind of macronutrient, and to eat whenever you're hungry. Go for lots of walks. Laugh and try to reduce stress as much as possible before you ever consider trying to put your body into any kind of more stressed state with dieting. So in closing, you may not be in the right place physically, mentally, or emotionally to adopt a bunch of new nutrition habits and can end up exhausted and frustrated with a lack of progress because your body is actually fighting back. Before you even think about dieting, make sure you're in a rested and well-fed state for a minimum of two weeks. If you've been a chronic yo-yo dieter for years, you may need to even take a month or two of eating at maintenance before you can consider putting your body back in a caloric deficit. Make sure you're getting at least 7 to 9 hours of sleep, otherwise sticking to any kind of dietary change will become much more difficult. If you have too much stress in your life, you'll have 
a much more difficult time delaying gratification and adhering to any kind of nutritional changes. Try to make changes in times of lower stress and adopt one habit at a time as not to increase stress more than you need to. If you're a woman, pay attention to where in your cycle you typically feel the hungriest and have the most food cravings and make it a point to not start doing any big dietary changes during this time of the month as you'll be fighting against your biology and not working with it. If you have any adrenal problems, don't even think about dieting until you've spent some time heavily decreasing stress in your life and restoring your adrenal function. Otherwise, your overall hormonal and metabolic health will suffer greatly. If you're constantly stumped by dieting and nutrition strategies for fat loss, I actually have a special offer for you this week. I have three spots available for a free phone strategy session where we'll discuss your goals, roadblocks, and start engineering the habits to beat your roadblock and get you to your goals. Now there's going to be a link in the show notes that will take you to the form that I'll need you to fill out before we can hop on the phone. Everybody's taken on a first come first serve basis and since these are free they went really quick last week so make sure to get on there. As always thanks for taking the time to listen to Evolve Nutrition Radio and leaving a five-star review is always appreciated. Anytime I get the opportunity to read one of those five-star reviews I just want you to know how much I appreciate it because it can literally make my day. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at Evolve Nutritional Therapy. You can find me on Twitter and Snapchat at EvolveNTPDX. You can find me on Facebook at Evolve Nutritional Therapy LLC, or you can email me directly at EvolveNTPDX at gmail.com. As always, I greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to Evolve Nutrition Radio, and I will talk to you next week.